Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, I want to talk to you today about how to live a carefree life. How to live a carefree life. How many of you would love to live a carefree life? Amen. Do you know that it's scriptural to live a carefree life? So many people think that the, that the Christian life should be burdensome. Yeah? I remember um, hearing the testimony of a, of a well-known pastor, and it, it, when he spoke this, I, it related to me immediately because of my background and his background were very similar. He said, I grew up in a church where we, we always had to have a burden for something have a burden for souls, have a burden for this one, have a burden for that one. There's always a burden. And um, it's understandable what people mean when they say that they have a burden. I mean, they have something on their heart that's, that's you know, tugging on their heart uh, that they want to believe God for. Maybe you have a burden to see your neighborhood get, get saved or your office building get saved or whatever the case may be. But uh, as you dig into Scripture, you start to understand that our lives as Christians should be burden-free. Amen. Should be carefree. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Amen. He said, take no thought, Matthew 6. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or how shall we be clothed? He says, the Gentiles seek after that. Carnal people, people that don't have a covenant with God are all the time worried about what their life's going to look like. And so I, I tend to come back to this subject often when I'm preaching. I don't necessarily always preach messages just devoted to it, but it always seems to creep up in messages because we are a culture and a society that is heavily burdened. Amen. We are a culture and a society that is heavily burdened by care and concern, by worry, by trying to keep up with the Joneses, by, by all this kind of exterior stuff periphery that the world tries to attach to our lives. And Jesus said, you know what? You're not supposed to live that way. Amen. This pastor went on to say uh, that he, he, had a great, he has a great relationship with his wife, and she was just the most carefree lady. And they're doing all this ministry stuff. He tells a story about how they're building this building, and they need like $10 million for this building, like, you know, tomorrow, and they don't have it. And he's just gone. He's just worried about everything. And, uh, and he said, his wife said to him one day, honey, don't you know that worry is a sin? Yeah. And he's like, oh, great. That must mean I'm in sin 100% of the time <laughs> because I'm worried about everything. Anybody relate to that? You ever worry about everything? I have. Well, you don't need to live that way. 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is telling us here, in verse 7, to cast all of your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Casting, look at it, verse 7, casting all, somebody say all, all your care upon him. Who's the him in this? Who's the him? It's Jesus, right? Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word cares here, we're going to do a little bit of a word study on this particular verse. The word cares is the word in the Greek which directly, directly translates to anxiety. And it can be described as any affliction, any difficulty, any hardship, 
any misfortune, any trouble, or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. Can I read that to you one more time? This word cares directly translates to anxiety and can be described as any affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, or complicated circumstance that arises as a result of problems that develop in our lives. You don't necessarily have the ability to stop problems from happening in your life, but you do have a responsibility to respond the right way when problems show up. So any anxiety, any worry, any concern that arises from a problem is what the Bible is trying to teach us how to deal with here, right? You can't, listen, you know, the stock market could crash. You can't affect that. You can't control that. That may create a problem for you. But, you know, even though I can't control it, I'm not supposed to let it control me. I'm not supposed to get anxious about it. A problem can arise in your life, and you and I need to learn how to deal with those problems when they come. That's what the life of faith is all about. So he says, cast all of these cares, all of these anxieties, all of these difficulties, troubles, afflictions, challenges, cast all of them onto him because he cares for us. This includes any circumstance, and watch this, this includes thoughts, right? This is where you got to watch it, man. This casting of all the cares includes your thought life. In fact, that's where it happens the most. Amen. So I brought some stuff here with me to show you a little illustration. I brought a little bag here. This is a Santa Claus bag, by the way. It's not really sort of, I don't know, I stole it from my kids. This is a bag here. And I brought a bunch of these little boxes so you can see how much my wife and I shop on Amazon. But (laughs) this is what I like to call the bag of worry. The bag of concern. This is the bag of care. And all of us, if we're not careful, if we're not observant, and if we're not diligent, will load this thing full. You may take worry, and and notice I brought a bunch of different size boxes to put in this bag, because worry comes in all shapes and sizes. It could be worry for your kids. Any parent ever have worry for their kids? Yeah, only like every day, right? Could be worry for your job. What's going to happen on the job? This could be worry about my marriage or about my spouse. Let's put that in the bag. It could be worry about like the economy and the way things are going. Let's put that in the bag. Could be worry about money. Here's a big one. Could be worried about money. Let's put that in this bag of care could be worried about the future, what's going to happen in society, what's going to happen in the unknown of tomorrow. That's a big one. Now look what we've got. We got this bag that we carry through life. Now this is empty boxes because it's not heavy. But in real life, these worries will weigh you down. In real life, I mean, for the illustration, I use empty boxes. But in real life, worry for your kids will kill you. 
Worry for your spouse will kill you. Worry for what tomorrow will bring and the facing the unknown will kill you. It'll destroy you. The devil wants to eat you up with worry. We're going to see that in just a second. Matter of fact, let's go there right now. Let's go back to verse 7 and go to verse 8, actually. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. What do I look like when I'm carrying this thing around? I look like an idiot, right? <laughs> carrying this big bag of care. Go to verse 8. Watch this. Be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice the word may. He may not devour everybody. He may devour some. What determines who he devours and who he doesn't? You've got to read it in context of the last verse. Those who have cast their care upon the Lord, the devil doesn't have a chance. The devil doesn't have a grasp of them. But he wants to devour you. He wants to eat you alive with worry. You see that? So what is, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to verse 7. Here I am carrying around this care. What does Peter tell me to do? I'm supposed to cast this care on the Lord. Now I need, I need someone to help me for just a second in my illustration. I need somebody to be Jesus. Can somebody put, come and just be Jesus up here? Somebody, anybody. Don't all run at the same time. Thank you. Jesus did, yeah, he did. So I need you to stand right here. Now, this bag is full of all my cares. And you may think, yeah, you know, I can carry that. doesn't look too heavy. And I bet you can carry it for a minute. But I bet you can't carry it for the rest of your life. Do you ever, do you ever go on a hike and load up your bag and be like, ah, that feels pretty good. And then two miles in, you're like, this thing's going to kill me. You're not, your shoulders aren't wide enough to carry concern and to carry around worry all the time. You weren't designed by God to carry all this stuff all the time for the rest of your life. Now, what does he say here? He says, cast or casting all your care upon him. This is the Greek word epiripto. And it means to violently throw or fling upon with great force. What it means, here's the visual. If you want to know what it means to cast your care, it means to do this. Here you are burdened down with all your care, and then you realize, I don't have to carry all this stuff around for the rest of my life, so what do you do? You cast it. Get it off of you. So people wonder real practically, wow, how do I cast my care? I don't understand. That's exactly how you do it. Imagine it was all in a, a bag on your shoulder, and you just whew, get rid of it. Now, what's it, let's, let's look at what it says here. Casting all your care upon him. This word cast is used only one other time in scripture. Sorry, I called you up here a little early. This word, <laughs> this word is used only one other time in the scripture. And that's in Luke 19 where it describes the disciples casting their garments onto the colt which Jesus rode upon. Now, there's a reason that that's there. It's, it's very, very important because of its context. This word was used in both biblical and secular Greek at that time only for one reason. And that is to describe the unloading of a burden upon an animal. 
This word, to cast, only appears twice in Scripture, and it's only used to ever describe loading up an animal with stuff. It's a specific word used to describe a specific task. Why is that important? It's because literally God, through Peter, is inviting you and me to allow him to be the burden bearer. To allow him to be our beast of burden. So when it comes time for me to go through life and cast my care, what does it look like? Jesus, I'm giving it to you. That's it. I'm casting, I'm loading him up with my care. Why? Because he's meant to carry it. Because he's the one that can handle it. Because your and my shoulders are not wide enough to carry care around for my kids, for my wife, for my job, for the economy, for the future, for everything that I touch. I don't have the ability to care enough about that. But he does. So I'm to cast my care. I'm going to fling it over onto him. Amen. You can set that down for just a second. I'll need you again in a moment. You can sit down for a second if you want. God's inviting us to unload our baggage on him. How good would your life be if you didn't have to worry all the time? I mean, just think about it for a minute. How awesome would your life look if you weren't worried? <laughs> this is a battle that is not ours to fight. Now, let me define this word care here the second time. The first time this word care is used is to describe all of anxiety. The second time it's used, it means to be concerned or to be thoughtful, to give painful, meticulous attention to. It's a slightly different scenario there. When, when the words are used. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. Why? Because he is giving meticulous attention to you. Your father is paying meticulous attention to your life and to every concern that you have. It's God's job. It's God's job to chart your destiny. I, I, I'm not opposed to you know, being a visionary person, I try to be very visionary. I try to write things down and make a plan and put it out on paper and do the best that I can to, you know, go the way God wants me to go. And I try to spell it out because the Bible says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets of stone that he may run who reads it. So I get the point of being prepared and trying to plan and do the best that you can. But if that ever becomes anxiety to you, it's gone too far. Amen. The Bible says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. So if, if, if any time you planning and forecasting your future and being diligent, if it gets to the point where it starts to give you grief, it's gone too far. Back up and say, Lord, what do you think about this plan I'm crafting? Let him adjust. Amen. That's a word for somebody this morning. Your father is paying meticulous attention to your life and to every concern that you have. Now, verse 8, this is amazing. Verse 8 says, be sober and vigilant. This, these, we can't take these two verses apart. 
Verse 7, I'm supposed to cast my care on him because his shoulders are wide enough to take it. Verse 8, he says, be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I think it's amazing that he says, be sober. Why would he use such a word, be sober? Anybody ever been not sober before? (laughs) Think about that. If you've ever in your life, as I have, been inebriated, you understand what that word be sober means. You understand the reason Peter would use that word. It's because when worry is on your life and it's on your mind, it will make you inebriated. Not physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally inebriated with worry. What does a drunk person do? Has a hard time walking, stumbles, has a hard time walking in a straight line, can't get where he needs to go, doesn't know where he is, sees things that aren't there, hears things that nobody said, imagines, your imagination when you're inebriated runs wild. And that's exactly what the enemy tries to do to you and to me with worry. Get you so drunk on worry that you don't know where you're going. You can't figure out what you're going to do. You're hearing people say stuff that they didn't say. You're imagining things in your future that haven't happened and didn't happen. You're imagining all kinds of things because you're inebriated with worry. Be sober. Get rid of that stuff. Cast it onto him. Let it go. Why? Because it's just making you drunk with worry. It's just making you drunk with care. And you're stumbling around trying to figure out what's God's plan for my life. And he said, step one, get rid of the worry. That's my plan for your life. Get rid of the care. Dump the concern. And then I can tell you where you're supposed to go. Amen. Be sober. Why? Your adversary walks around like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. The devil will eat you up. He'll devour you with worry if you let him. Now, let me illustrate something else. Jesus, come back up here. (laughs) Once I've cast my care, remember what it means to cast? Watch your face. Once I've, cast, once I've cast this care onto Jesus, notice this for a second. Jesus will never give that back to you. Never. The only way you get that back is if the devil cons you in to taking it back. How does he do that? With thoughts. Here I've given this over to the Lord. Here I've walked away from it. Lord, I'm not going to touch that. That's yours. Care for my children. Care for my marriage. Care for my future. Care for my finances. Care for my job. Care for all of it. I'm giving it over to you. And then what does the devil come? Like a roaring lion. You better, oh oh, man, you're being foolish. You're being foolish not to care about your, your future. You're being foolish not to plan. You're being foolish. And so what do you do? Yeah, I guess I'm being foolish. You take it right back. And this can go on for years. This back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Let me me give you a bit of advice. When you cast your care, don't ever touch it again. When the thought comes for you to try to take it back, just say no, no, no. Do you ever have somebody try to give you a gift you don't want? (laughs) 
You ever get regifted something at a Christmas party and you're just like, I don't want it. That's how you need to treat worry. I don't want it. It's not mine. No, no, you find, find someplace else to put that. I've offloaded my care and my concern over onto Jesus. Why? Because he's meticulously paying attention to my life. He's the one caring for me. Amen. Jesus will never give it back to you. The only way you get it back is if you let the devil con you into taking it back. Now, go to Matthew chapter 11. I need you for this part, so we'll just have to fly by the seat of our pants. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is an amazing passage. Matthew 11, 28 goes right along with what we're saying. You'll see this very clearly. Matthew 20, 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now there's some very important words in there. First of all, Jesus says, come to me. Who do you go to with your problems? I mean, let's just get uber practical with it for a second. Bad stuff happens in your life, who do you go to? You go talk to your best friend, you go talk to your relatives, you go talk to your parents, you go talk to your spouse, you go talk to your kids. Who do you talk to? Ought to be coming to him first. I'm amazed at how many times I hear people say stuff like, well, we're going to pray, there's nothing else to do, nothing else left to do but to pray. Well, brother, there's nothing else left to do but to pray. And I'm like, you goober, you should have been doing that from the very beginning. Come to me, Jesus. Come to me. That's good advice. Come to me. Don't go gossip to the neighbor down the street. You got problem in your life? Come to him. Amen. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. This is an amazing phrase in the Greek. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, this last line, and I will give you rest, is three words in the Greek. Just three. There's six of them there in the English. There's just three in the Greek. And I is one word. Will give rest is another word. And then the word you is the third So you could read it quite literally in the Greek, come unto me all who are labor and are heavy laden and I will give rest to you. Jesus has rest like a gift that he wants to give you. As a matter of fact, it's an exchange. I give him my burdens and he gives me rest. Amen. Glory to God. I give him my cares, my concerns, my problems, my needs, my issues, and he gives me rest. Glory to God. Now, this word will give rest that you see here, it's the word anapu or anapau in the Greek. And it means, the word ana means into or in the midst of. And the word pow or paus is the word that we get the word pause from. 
Where does your need get met? In the pause. Where do you find God? In the pause. Jesus says, come unto me, everybody who labors. Give me your burdens and you'll find me in the pause. You'll find me in the rest. You'll find that when you unload your grief, I give you something better in exchange. I give you rest. Take my yoke. Go to the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. What does he mean when he says, take my yoke? You know what a yoke is. It's what they bind two animals together with. So Jesus, switch arms there. Thank you. Look at me telling Jesus what to do. Everybody tries. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) He says... Come unto me, all ye your labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. You will find me in the pause. You will find me in the midst of coming to rest. You will find me in the pause. And then what do you do? How do you, when, when I've unloaded my care and I've unloaded my burden and God has given me rest, how do I stay there? How do I not get back to the place I was in before carrying all my care? How do I do that? I take his yoke upon you, upon me, and I learn from him. Isn't that amazing? See, I'm yoked to Jesus now, so wherever he leads, I go. Lead me somewhere, Jesus. Amen. Now look, see, we're walking together. In order for me to get my care back, what do I have to do? I gotta break the yoke and get it back. Give me that. I got to break the union that I'm experiencing with him. I got to mess this up. What happens if I want to go my own way? He's strong enough to keep me. You see, so many people, thank you, sir, so many people are worried about missing God. So many people worry about, oh, brother, I don't want to miss it. How weak do you think Jesus is? How limited do you think he is? you think he's going to let you run off on a tangent? No, he's able to keep you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless in the throne. He's able to keep you right where you need to be so long as you don't break fellowship and take your care back. Amen. Come unto me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will exchange your care for rest. You will find me in the pause. A life with Jesus is an invitation into rest. Life with Jesus is an unforced rhythm. I'm going to read you this from the Message Bible in just a second. You know it, you've heard it, but it'd be good to hear it again. Life with Jesus is an unforced rhythm. It's not stagnation. It's not being lazy. It's not doing nothing. It's just an unforced rhythm. It's an unforced moving forward. 
It's progress without turmoil, toil, and fear. It's diligence without desperation. If you're taking notes, you want to write that one down. Walking with Jesus is diligence without depression, diligence without desperation. You're still able to produce. You're still able to do everything you're called to do. See, a lot of people pit these ideas against each other. Well, am I called to rest or am I supposed to be a doer of the word? The answer is yes. Right? The answer is yes. Don't complicate it. Be a doer of the word and be at rest while you're doing it. It's an unforced rhythm. It's not stagnation. It's not doing nothing for God. It's letting God overshadow everything that you do and be involved in everything that you do. It's walking with him where he wants you to go. It's an unforced moving forward. It's progress without turmoil, toil, and fear. It's diligence without desperation. When you connect to Jesus, you are connecting to his momentum. Think about that for a second. When I yoke myself to him, I'm connecting to his momentum. He can move a lot faster than you can. He's a lot stronger than you are. He's got an eternal momentum at work in him. And if you'll connect to it, you'll connect to something that's far outside the boundaries of what you can accomplish without him. When you connect to Jesus, you're connecting to heavenly momentum. Amen? Come unto me, he says. Look at this in the Message Bible. Are you tired? Worn out? Been carrying that bag of care around for a while. You tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. It's amazing. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. You see that as an unforced rhythm? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That's an amazing line. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Did you know that worry is ill-fitting? All of it. It's like putting on a jacket that's too small. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Worry's like a straight jacket. It'll keep you bound up. It's ill-fitting. It's heavy. It's not supposed to be there. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen? You'll learn to live freely and lightly. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I think that we live in a culture whereby worry, concern, fear, anxiety, depression, strife, these things are perpetuated by the world that we live in. And as the church, I think it's so important that we don't give concession to those things. As the church, I think it's important that we don't learn to live and cope with those things. We have to exercise dominion over them. You're not supposed to cope with worry. You're supposed to annihilate worry by casting it onto Jesus 
Amen? So anytime you feel the pressure or the, the temptation to just settle into this, well, I guess this is just part of growing older. I guess this is just part of my life. Well, you just, everybody worries about their kids. Not you. Come on, talk to me. Everybody worries about their job. Not you. You're in the kingdom. You serve a different king. You're part of a different system. You're part of a different identity. You're in a different class and a different culture altogether. It's the culture of the king. Amen. You're not supposed to worry and be burdened. Amen. Swim upstream. That's where Jesus is. Find him in the pause. When the rest of the world is going 1,000 miles an hour, find him in the pause. Amen. We're supposed to live countercultural, guys. If there's one thing that <laughs> causes me to worry sometimes, it's when I see people coping with stuff that Jesus gave relief for on the cross. You do not have to live with anxiety and fear. It's a care. Give it to him. And then just take his yoke. Walk with him for a while. And don't try to ever take it back. There'll be a thousand opportunities. The devil will come a thousand and one times to say, hey, you need to be worried about this. What about this? What about this? That's a question that the enemy uses all the time. What about this? What about? What about? Hey, reminder, what about this problem? What about that issue? What about this deficiency in your life? What about that thing you didn't have when you were a kid? What about this thing that your parents did to you that set you on the wrong course? What about this scenario? Are you going to be a victim for the rest of your life? What about, what about, what about? Answer the whatabouts with some faith. Answer the whatabouts with the word. No, he takes care of all my needs. He's Jehovah Jireh. He sees the need. Yeah, my parents may have messed up, but he saw that need before they ever even messed up. He saw the need, and he provided for the need before the need ever even existed because he's God, and when I link to him, I get his momentum. I get his perspective. I get his way of doing things. I get his life in my life, and I can live. Amen? Don't let the devil push you around with a bunch of what-ifs. I remember, I'll close with this, the minister that's gone on to be with the Lord, Kenneth Hagin, he told the story one time about how he was driving through Texas and he was so poor at this point in his life, his early ministry, and he was so poor and so broke, he couldn't afford tires for his car. Some of you have heard this story before. And so he was driving back home from ministering somewhere in Texas, and it was the heat of summer, and so the roads were really hot during the day. So he decided, I'm going to drive home at night because my tires are so bald that if I drive during the day, I might pop them just from the heat. So here he is driving, and he said, my tires started making noise. And he's like, it was like they were singing to me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anybody ever have a noisy tire before? What are you going to do? And then he said, and then the other tire joined in. What are you going to do? And then he said, and the third one joined in. What are you going to do? He said, and then the fourth one joined in. It was like a barbershop quartet. What are you going to do? How many of you know the tires weren't singing to him? Somebody else was singing to him. 
Fear was singing to him. Doubt was singing to him. Unbelief was singing to him. The enemy was there seeing to see. Seeing to see? The devil was there trying to see if he would be able to devour him in that moment. Could he eat him up with care? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He said, I yelled at the top of my lungs. I'm going to act like the Bible is so. Kept on going. What are you going to do when worry comes? Are you going to give in? Or are you going to act like the Bible is so? Are you going to act like the Bible is really the word of God? Are you and I going to act and put our trust and put our confidence and build our life on this thing because we believe that it's right? That's the question that you got to answer. Amen. Are we going to live like the Bible so? Are we going to cast our care onto him knowing that he cares for us? Am I going to let Jesus be my beast of burden? It's the only way to live, man. It's the only way to live. Anything else sells us short on the plan that God has for us. Amen? You believe that this morning? Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.